Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. My name is Dr. Mark Eatonson. I'm a clinical psychologist specializing in the treatment of pathological narcissism and related disorders. I'm also the author of the book Unmasking Narcissism, a guide to understanding the narcissist in your life. And today I'd like to talk a little bit about the self. Essentially, pathological narcissism is a disorder of the self, and I'd like to talk about what that means. The branch of psychology that studies narcissism is called self-psychology, but the concept of a self is a little difficult to pin down. It's a fluid concept. And when I teach this concept to my students, I ask them to close their eyes and to think about the experience of being a self. I ask them, what does it feel like to be you? What are the experiences, the memories, the affiliations that are important in your feeling of being a self? What are the boundaries of that experience? And I ask them if inside of it, they can find the echoes of important figures from their past. Perhaps their mother, father, cherished friends or romantic partners. I ask them if they can find ideas and concepts that were important in defining who they are and what they believe. The longer we look at it, the more apparent it becomes that the self is highly variable. There seems to be some aspects of it that remain constant, but there are also some that change depending on our mental state. Heinz Kohut was the founder of self-psychology, and he wrote that in certain psychological states, the self may expand far beyond the borders of the individual. Patriotism is a good example of this when we have a strong feeling that we're part of something that extends far beyond the boundaries of our own skin. But the self may also shrink to become identical with a single thought, feeling, or action. And if you imagine being so embarrassed by something you've done that you feel you'll never live it down, in that mental state, your experience of being a self becomes very small. For that brief period of time, you, in a sense, become your mistake you become your feeling of embarrassment. Falling in love can have a similar effect. The self expands and it contracts. And this is especially true when we're very young and the boundaries of the self are not yet well established. As it turns out, the ways that we're treated by others have tremendous impact on our self-development. Those experiences shape and inform how it feels to be you. Empathy and affiliation are the main building blocks of a healthy self. And for people who were raised in a positive, responsive environment where they felt they belonged and it felt consistently seen and understood, the experience of selfhood is mostly positive. It's mostly well-defined and organized. There tend not to be huge distortions in self-concept. There aren't pieces of the self that don't fit together well. Um, or hair-trigger reactions to everyday events like making a mistake or receiving a small amount of criticism. But not everyone is so lucky. For those who were raised in an emotionally impoverished, neglectful, or abusive environment, the self can be damaged. It may be full of conflict or feelings of frustration, rage, shame, alienation, or humiliation. And sometimes such feelings are laid down so early that they become a core aspect of the self making it very difficult to feel good about being you. And they interfere with attempts to form close relationships. 
in response, the person might try to build new parts of the self that aren't sort of contaminated by those problematic core feelings. And when this happens, we call it the false self. And since the false self is often built as a defense uh, against those underlying problematic feelings, it often has a quality of grandiosity. It's as if the person unconsciously decided that no, they're not broken, they're perfect. They aren't in desperate need of love and understanding, they're completely self-sufficient. Because the false self is built on top of the damaged core, there's a lack of cohesion within the individual. It's like mismatched puzzle pieces jammed together, or being inside of a home that has clashing and mismatched interior decorating. The experience of moving between rooms in such a home feels disjointed. It lacks a coherent theme or flow between spaces. These sorts of structural issues within the self are actually the cause of pathological narcissism. The foundations of selfhood are laid when we're very young, but the process of building and maintaining the self goes on throughout our lives. We use something called self-object experiences as the glue that holds the self together. Self-objects are sort of like the pieces of your world that help define your experience of being a self. And when you're very young, the main self-objects were your parents, your caregivers, siblings, and other members of your household. But later, that self-object pool expanded to include friends, teachers, favorite sports teams, or even characters on television and in movies. I can remember being a kid and wanting to be Indiana Jones and Superman. As we grow, we require less and less from our self-objects. Infants need constant care and responsiveness to keep their sense of being a self organized and positive. But by the time we're adults, most of us have created largely symbolic self-objects. We're Americans, or we're Democrats, or Republicans. We're fans of the Raiders or the Yankees. We also form self-object relationships with spouses, partners, families, and employers. And those relationships tend to be defined by an equal or at least reciprocal amount of give and take. But for individuals who have a compromised self, the need for highly responsive and positive self-object experiences remains very high even into adulthood. The unstable self needs a kind of heavy-duty glue to hold it together, to keep it from fragmenting or falling apart. And the problems in the self compel the person to seek constant reassurance from others, typically in the form of positive regard. But individuals with severely compromised selves may need more than just positive regard. They may actually need to feel idealized. And since affiliation is also one of the main building blocks of selfhood, they may in turn idealize others and use their affiliation with those people to shore up their own feeling of being good enough. Since the false self is built on top of underlying core feelings of shame, rage, or alienation. Individuals with pathological narcissism tend to fluctuate between periods of grandiosity, when the self is experienced as unrealistically positive, to periods of intense shame, anxiety, or even depression, when the underlying problems in the self become exposed. Sometimes, the self is experienced as empty an extremely dysphoric state that often compels the narcissistic individual to abuse substances or engage in other maladaptive behaviors in an attempt to fill themselves up.
We call these negative experiences narcissistic vulnerability. They can also include things like internal disorganization, lack of cohesion, extreme discontinuities in self-experience, intrusive feelings or associations, feelings of worthlessness, self-directed rage, and severe distortions in the perception of the self and also of other people. Now, it's often been observed that the stereotype of the overconfident narcissist who's in love with themselves is largely a myth. Such individuals do exist, but to be truly narcissistic, their behavior must be motivated by an underlying deficit in the self. Pathological narcissism is actually about deficits and disabilities. Grandiosity is about the person's attempt to compensate for those deficits and disabilities. It's a symptom. And just like any other symptom of a mental illness, to truly comprehend it, we need to understand what's happening underneath. It's also important to remember that pathological narcissism is actually a treatable issue. The person needs to want help, and they need to be willing to commit to the process, but the self can be healed. So don't give up hope. When working with narcissistic patients, we often begin by trying to make space for their vulnerable feelings, noticing together whatever comes up around those. These are the parts of the patient that need acceptance and validation. Okay. Well, thanks for joining me today. Please reach out with questions or suggestions for future topics. And until next time, take good care.